Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with David Kelly. 47, Bing. It's another great day for wellness. And this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, what's going on, packs of F3 Nation and loyal hunt for wellness listeners? Uh, Hope everyone's having a great week, and I'm super excited for this podcast and this opportunity to share great health information with you um, on a weekly basis, and this week is no exception. I have none other than David Kelly, or Bing, joining the podcast once again, and uh, Bing is the first repeat guest for the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Uh, You may have heard his previous episode um, when he shared some of his strategies about intermittent fasting, but uh, he wanted to come back on the show or I wanted him to come back on the show to share something else about his own health challenge and journey that I think is going to add a lot of value to many of you um, across the nation and the world. And uh, Bing found himself uh, diagnosed with a unique uh, hereditary condition called hemochromatosis. And what you will learn in today's episode is that it was something that a lot of his doctors overlooked initially, and it kind of took him uh, probing a little bit more into his own health to discover this. And in my own experience, and I share on the show, 
how in many cases this is something that is overlooked because it's you have to have a genetic test uh, to determine it or discover it, yet it affects much more people than we expect and, and know. And so you'll learn in today's show exactly what it was that prompted him to, to find out what it was, uh, some of the tips that he uses to keep his health uh, where it needs to be and in check, and just an overall inspiration about how he's accelerating with his king and his queen despite having this health challenge. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we do kind of dive in a little bit about the growth of F3. Uh, as many of you may know, he is the Q or the XQ of growth for uh, F3. So he gives a little bit about the background of his own F3 journey, as well as uh, what the nation as a whole uh, F3 is doing and some of the expansion that we're making. So make sure that you listen to some of that uh, to get uh, up to date as, as far as what that is going on. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this show. Uh, and hopefully you guys find a lot of value about uh, what Bing brings to the table. So um, without further ado, uh, we'll, we'll roll the episode. And as always, if you do enjoy this episode, please be sure to share it with your friends, your family members, and other PAX members. Now for today's show. Welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom, and we have a fantastic show for you today, Pax. I have none other than David Kelly, or Bing in the Gloom, and yes, that's right, the uh, the Q of, exp- is it expansion, David? Is that what yeah, it is? Uh, head of growth, the changes, it seems like, so we'll call it head of growth today. So. Got it. Well, head of growth, and the first repeat uh, guest of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. So if you haven't checked out Bing uh, before on the podcast, let me encourage you to go back and check out that at that episode. Uh, he uh, was able to share some of his experience with intermittent fasting, which is a, uh, a way of uh, choosing to eat that really maximizes health. And I know I get a lot of questions about that topic. So if you want to know all things intermittent fasting, check out that previous episode. But I wanted to bring Bing back on the podcast today to talk about something a little bit more personal to him, something that he personally has to deal with with his health and some of the things that he does to overcome that obstacle and, and to accelerate his king and queen despite that. But uh, before we kind of dive into that, Bing, just kind of reiterate for us, uh, if this is a first-time listener, if they're unfamiliar with who you are, uh, let us know a little bit about what F3 is to you or how'd you learn about it and, and why the name Bing? Yeah, so real easy. It, um, about seven and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to, um, to get on a, uh, or, or you know, actually good friends with, with Fish Sticks, which to me was Chris Way. Um, spent a lot of time on soccer fields with him. Uh, and then we seemed to close down the Tiga K pool just about every night uh, because our boys, our 2.0s, were good friends and are good friends. And man, just sitting on the edge of the pool or sitting in a lounge chair, he wouldn't shut up about F3. And, and at the time I was, I was running plenty. I was thrilled. I mean, I think my goal at the time was about a hundred miles a month running and, and just, you know, but I did find myself kind of breaking down a little bit, getting hurt a little bit. 
So, you know, he just made the threat and he followed through on it by he was going to be in my driveway at, at, you know, 545 in the morning that Saturday. And I peeked out the shades and sure enough, there he was. And uh, so, you know, got in the car reluctantly and fell in love with it. So um, it was painful. I remember doing Jack Webb's at the end of the workout and this runner, I don't think had ever used my arms other than maybe getting up after falling once or twice. So uh, it was, it was brutal. And for some reason I kept coming back. And the reason for being is, is, um, you know, I, I actually had a Google shirt on at that workout and they were going down a path because at the time I worked with Toyota and I'm originally from Detroit and they were not happy with the fact that nobody from Detroit works on Toyota. And so they're trying to call me a trader and all these really crazy names. And next thing I know, someone yells out, look, he thinks he's as good as Google, but he's really just big. And I tell you, it's, I love it. Uh, it's become, you know, my second personality and it's become a challenge. I mean, I love the fact that uh, not that Bing will ever, ever be Google, but uh, but it's it's uh, it's kind of nice. So it's a little humbling of a nickname. So uh, that's where I got the nickname seven years ago. Yeah, it's a it's a great nickname and it, it just kind of goes to the um, creativity of the PAX at moments. So uh, and you've done the right thing, which is embrace it, because I think oh, yeah. PAX members that don't embrace their name. They just, they're, they're in a long world of hurt forever. And, and the, the sooner that you can embrace it, the better. So you oh, mentioned yeah. um, Tiga K, you mentioned yep. fish, uh, fish sticks, who um, someone I personally know as well, because that's kind of the area that I currently post in, but that's not where you currently are now. So tell us a little bit about where you're posting that's now and, and what you're doing. That's correct. So five years ago, a little bit over five years ago, I had the opportunity to move with my company down to Southwest Florida and, uh, you know, honestly, the hardest part of the decision was leaving the packs because you got a great group of guys. And, and uh, you know, as I was doing my farewell tour, our friend Dark Helmet came up to me and said, I don't know why you're saying goodbye. You're going to launch this thing down wherever you're going. And I laughed thinking I'm going somewhere where I know nobody. And, you know, I guess a little plug for expansion because we have a lot of guys moving and we have a lot of people raising their hand, you know, not knowing anybody here was not an acceptable excuse. And, you know, Dark Helmet essentially got me into the mustard seed program at the time that he was leaving. And next thing I know, um, you know, he's forcing me to pick a date. I picked a date. We had five guys show up that morning. And uh, since then we've grown, we actually have our five-year anniversary coming up at the uh, 1st of April. And our roster has well over 700 guys on it today. So, um, you know, I, I remain Nantan uh, probably a little bit longer than I was supposed to because I, I was enjoying the ride and, you know, and then realized that passing leadership is, is a tenant of F3 and, and had a great leadership team in place with me. But we decided it was time to pass it on. And that's when Dark Helmet came knocking on the door saying, OK, what you did down there. I want you to help us do that across the country. And little did we know it was across the world. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think that was about two years ago that I jumped into the head of growth role and have been working with, with the leadership team on a nation perspective. And it's been fantastic. I mean, it's a great journey. Yeah. And we appreciate your work on that front. So, you know, because you have a platform here, take a few seconds, just kind of give us an update on that expansion. Uh, if you don't mind, just kind yeah. of give us an update on what's going on right now. Yeah, you know, we're actually kind of in a transition period where, you know, we had a, a phenomenal program in place called the Troubadours. And the Troubadours were a group of men that would raise their hand, often coming out of their leadership roles and still wanted to contribute to the nation. And, you know, because of our growth and because of the fact that the leadership team is so 
focused on providing as many resources to the regions. You know, people often say like it's almost like becoming corporate, but it's not because, you know, again, we're not a ruling authority, just like your leadership team locally is not a ruling authority. We just want to try and establish F3 leadership, uh, you know, roles to help continue to invigorate men at the local level. And so we've created areas and sectors and we've got guys all throughout the country now, because frankly, with, you know, 235 regions and, and you know, the 3000 plus AOs, it's really hard to keep in touch with five or six guys that are at the top of this thing. And, and so by having these sectors created and we've divided the nation up, we have really senior guys in each area. So the troubadours are helping us fill some of those roles because that's exactly what they were doing. They were keeping in touch with regions, uh, but they were they were spread thin. I mean, we would ask those guys to do everything uh, because they were kind of the customer service of F3. They were the arms and legs. Uh, and so in addition to filling some of the roles within the areas and the sectors, there we're creating a, a launch team. Uh, right now, Dilly Dilly, who's up in the, uh, crossroads up in Illinois is kind of the first line of defense for expansion. And when a request comes in, he calls the guy and lays it all out and says, this is how we do it. This is what it looks like. Uh, and it's mostly on you locally. We don't have a expansion team that comes in and builds the foundation. Uh, but the, the team is going to grow because we're getting requests. I think this week alone, we've had like four or five requests. That segment that aired in Indianapolis Within three hours of that airing in Indianapolis, we had two inquiries uh, already happening. So, uh, you know, so Dilly Dilly gets in touch. And then the idea will be we'll have a launch person in each sector and we'll help that person get the shovel in the ground. And as soon as they got the shovel in the ground and they've done their launch, then the sector and the area teams will assist. So, you know, we've got probably seven or eight guys that we're going to tap on the shoulder to say you're a launch queue. And as soon as a guy raises his hand, we'll move him right over to that individual to help. Uh, I mean, I had a great conversation with uh, with the Nantan out in Vegas, and you know, he's never done F3, so he's learned about F3 from guys that are visiting and you know, kind of learning the culture that way. But just an hour-long conversation, the guy was so invigorated because he realized, A, someone launched this thing with zero friends in town, and, and it's doable. And so, you know, we hope that these launch queues will just kind of be that arm to lean on and all the resources. So we're excited about where it's going because uh, we have a goal. I mean, we want to hit the expansion goals that we want to hit. But what's critical is we want quality expansion. We don't want to expand and have a guy off in South Dakota launching this thing. And next thing you know, it's not supporting our five core principles. And, and all of a sudden there's, it's indoors in the winter. Sorry, it's not F3 or, or God forbid there's women at the workout. We know that that's not F3 that doesn't honor the five core principles. So we want to make sure we create quality expansion rather than just quantity. And, and that's kind of the goal. So uh, it's great. I love it. I can't, uh, can't get enough of it. Somehow I, you know, have to balance that with mammon and, and uh, you know, one's more fun than the other sometimes. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're not getting paid a high salary to do this position uh, for F3. No, no, not, unfortunately not. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I wish I were, but it's a, uh, but it's a yeah. labor it's a labor. No, of it is. And we appreciate it. And we can tell that, you, you know, you're gifted for it. And we appreciate that you stepped into this role, um, not only personally in, in the Sun Coast and, and done that there, but able to really model it across the nation and across the world. And I love to hear the 
the, the iterations of this process as F3 grows and the demand increases. I like that um, really it's about quality uh, planting versus just quantity. Um, you know, I, I love uh, the reality that we're supporting these men on the ground in some way, shape or form so that those five core principles are taught from the very beginning, um, you know, which is completely kind of foreign to me because I, I mean, I was birthed here in the Fort Region metro area. I mean, my first day of posting, I could have went to 60 different workouts uh, within a five mile radius. And oh, so, yeah, I remember those days well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so from the very beginning of my experience, I never had to search out uh, an F3 uh, workout certainly didn't have to commit to anything that was long. I mean, around here, we're like, oh, wait, that's a five minute drive. No, yeah, I'm not going to go yeah. to that one. Well, let, me, this let, one. Me see who's, let me see who's yeah, doing right. here and I'll make my choice that way. I mean, it's, you know, Longshanks came down, another brother of ours from the fort. Yeah. He came down to cue us uh, probably a couple of years ago. And he heard some guys saying that they drove 35 minutes to come to the workout. And that blew his mind. He goes, how many AOs did you pass? And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the AO, like, like right. that was early on. And, uh, and so it really made him realize like, you got it good when you're, you know, in an area like the Fort or a Charlotte Metro or even like St. Louis now. I mean, some of these areas that just have choice. I mean, I remember pulling up to one stoplight and I can go right, left, straight yep. or back. And there's an AO every single day. And so it's, uh, you know, it's been great to watch the guys grow. I mean, I'm not Mantan anymore and here locally, but I just love, you know, I mean, I talk with an Antan, he's a very dear friend of mine and, and, you know, he's always kind of bouncing ideas, but it's just neat to see this thing when it didn't exist five years ago and, and the lingo and the, the relationships and the, and the invigoration that we've seen here. Um, I mean, how can you not want to give that away elsewhere? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's powerful. So it's, it's definitely a blessing for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, appreciate that. Thanks for the update. I know a lot of PACs listen to this show and uh, maybe not have heard some of that information uh, other, you know, outside of this. So appreciate that. But uh, we'll kind of uh, switch gears here and kind of get back on track with health and yep. wellness. Um, and so uh, you're on the show today because of a condition that you've discovered that you have um, called uh, hemochromatosis. And, and you reach out to me um, with the opportunity or with the desire to kind of share some of this information with our listeners because it affected you and you wanted to kind of share your experience and, and, and maybe kind of shed some light on it in case some other PACS members out there, statistically speaking, there's probably many out there and yeah. that um, there's some things that they can be doing to make sure that they're not a, uh, ignoring it, but more importantly, how can they work with it to continue to accelerate their king and queen and so forth? So kind of walk us through a little bit about um, what is hemochromatosis or hemochromatosis and um, uh, how did you discover you had that? Yeah, so thanks. You know, actually hearing the call, I think it was last week when Pax had a genetic uh, disorder with his with his uh, kidneys kind of made me realize, I mean, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to share because if, if you can help one guy, and that's kind of what his message was, if you can help one guy uh, realize what, you know, what they could do differently to change their trajectory, then, then it's, it's, it's success. So uh, genetic hemochromatosis or hereditary hemochromatosis, uh, it's often called both, is a genetic disorder that uh, essentially you get one gene from mom and one gene from dad. And if you know you have the full-on hereditary hemochromatosis, 
essentially your genetic makeup in, you know, that that one gene pairing uh, allows your body to absorb a higher percentage of iron than one should absorb. And, and the problem with that, because a lot of people hear iron deficiency and they think, well, that's great. You know, I mean, if you can get more iron, that's fantastic. Well, no, it's not because your body can't regulate its iron levels. And if the iron and the ferritin gets too high, it then stores in your body. And if it stores in your body, it often will store in the liver, uh, the kidneys, the heart. Uh, and you could imagine, you know, storing anything in your body is not ideal. So our body's designed to kind of intake and then use and then, and then eliminate. So, um, you know, that was the, for me, for my, my journey. And, and it, I think the best message that I want to share on this is, you know, 18, 19 years ago, I moved to St. Louis uh, long before F3 for me and even F3 as, as a whole, uh, moved there for a job, got a physical, you know, my wife was always adamant, like we're getting annual physicals. Let's get this happening. And we're having kids. My daughter was born at that time and doctor did lab work. Lab work said my liver enzymes were just out of whack. He dismissed it by saying like, you know, you could have had, you know, salmon, you could have maybe taken a Tylenol. Like there's a lot of reasons why your liver enzymes could be out of whack. Um, my, you know, my job and my career and having kids took priority over me. So a couple of years later, we had moved from St. Louis to Chicago and then Chicago to, to the Charlotte area to TKK and, you know, one Easter and sad to admit no physicals in that period of time. And now it's probably, you know, eight years, seven years later. And, um, I got real sick. Uh, I got, it was Easter. I remember going into Easter service and looked over at my wife and said, something's not right. I don't remember anything that's been said for the last 30 minutes. And she's like, yeah, you've looked out of it. So I went and got, you know, went to the hospital, went to the doctor, super high fever. Uh, they could never figure out what it was, but that doctor said, you know, your liver enzymes seem a little bit out of whack and, 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 you know, maybe your next physical, you should look at that again. So I go home and I tell my wife and she's like, time out eight years ago, the doctor said the same thing. And I'm like, ah, I mean, she remembers everything. So, um, so thankfully to her, uh, she was right. And I remember the doctor saying that. So, you know, I went to a hematologist uh, and an oncologist simply because they deal with blood, you know, blood diseases or blood, you know, whatever you want to call it, genetic stuff. And, and even before then, they just started running different tests, you know, liver tests, focus on the liver, make sure it's not psoriasis, make sure it's not, uh, you know, all the different liver issues that it could be. And as all that's being eliminated, the last choice was let's just do a genetic test because let's see if there's something in your, gene, your genetic makeup that's causing this. And sure enough, came back positive for hemochromatosis. Um, so, you know, at that point, my, you know, the, my wife's like, I'm glad you listened to me and I'm glad she did too. Uh, because when you find out you've got it, it's, it's not a deadly disease. It's not something that, uh, that can kill you tomorrow, but you got to manage it and, and you got to pay close attention to it. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about what, what that means. So I don't know if you had any questions leading up to that. Yeah, no, I think you did a great job of kind of giving a, an overview of, of exactly what that disease is and, um, you know, the, 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 so from a symptom standpoint, so yeah, I, I have a couple of questions I kind of want to walk through with it. So, um, first of all, you, you made the point about being a genetic disease, uh, and then that's really the hereditary, uh, that's really the, the most prominent and common form of that. Now there are other ways of acquiring this, um, 
for instance, if you had a bad liver and you're getting a lot of blood transfusions with lots of iron in it, you could kind of secondarily uh, get it, but it's very less common and, 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 and so forth. You being a male makes you more prone to it as well. Um, so, and, and then usually for men um, or, or even women too, it's usually later in life that we start to, to determine that. Um, you mentioned iron storage as kind of being the, 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 the problem here uh, that the body stores too much iron and more specifically, it's storing too much iron in the liver typically, but it could also affect the heart. It can affect um, uh, the, the pancreas, uh, hence why like diabetes or, or diabetes is also kind of associated with, or if you are diabetic, you have more of a prone um, uh, to get this as well. To just get a little nerdy on everybody, the, the gene that you check for is called the HFE gene. Um, that's what a doctor would run from a genetic profile. And you mentioned that for the most part, you get one of those genes where well, you do get one of those genes for each, each parent. Doesn't mean that both parents give you a mutated gene, but those that get both a mutated gene from the mother and the father typically are more prone to getting the genetic disease versus someone who just gets one of those two genes from, from a parent. Um, and then the gene mutates. It's a, it's a liver um, uh, uh, enzyme that, that, that kind of gets thrown out of uh, um, or hormone that gets thrown out of uh, whack, if you will. It's called hepcidin or H-E-P-C-I-D-I-N. And that's kind of how it tells the liver to absorb iron or not. And that's what kind of gets a little wonky if these genes get abnormal. And uh, the genetic testing, um, the mutations, again, this is all nerdy in case someone wants to get tested and they can look it up, uh, is the C282Y and the H63D. Those are the mutations that the gene, um, the HFE gene can go through. So I wanted to kind of make sure we brought that up. And, and again, Pax, I had no idea. I don't know this off the top of my head. I had to, I had to do a little research on my own just to kind of look this up because it is something that's a little bit less nor, uh, known. And, and to Bing's point, um, you mentioned, you know, your liver enzymes being off, kind of being dismissed by one doctor, um, was going to be dismissed by a second doctor and until you kind of went. And then even then, they kind of looked at other things outside of this genetic testing. And, and that's just a testament to why we have to be the most uh, uh, aggressive advocates for our own health and, and kind of dive into it because sometimes there's multiple reasons for things to, to be a little wonky. So did they test ferritin um, as part of your like general blood panel or was it just the liver enzymes? It was, you know, I think, you know, it was mostly the liver enzymes. I mean, the ferritin was never discussed or iron saturation was never discussed with me prior. It feels like it's been my life since, uh, but it really wasn't uh, ever really discussed. And, and, you know, the likelihood is at that age, it may not have been out of whack. You know, the, the thing that you've got to realize in, in this is it's not a overnight absorption that causes all the issues. And, and you know, in many cases, people you know, later in life might get diagnosed with liver issues or heart issues or, or, or pass away. And they just assumed, oh, he drank a lot. So he had psoriasis of the liver or whatever it might be. You know, they're not going to go back and do genetics testing to put on the birth, you know, the death, you know, the death certificate, you know, 
HFV or her, you know, hereditary hemochromatosis or any of that stored, you know, they just say liver disease. And so there's a lot of people that will go with this undiagnosed and they'll often try to treat just that symptom without looking to see what's causing the enzymes. And that's where, you know, again, like me, they tried to test everything. I think the, the interesting thing for me was, again, you know, it doesn't just, for me, it doesn't just come out of the sky. So getting the chance to go to my parents and say, thanks for everything. I love you, but you gave me something and, and <laughs> so let's figure it out. And so, you know, both mom and dad got genetics testings done for that same uh, sequence that you just talked about. And it turns out mom's a carrier. So mom has one mutated gene that she obviously got passed from one of her parents. And my father is the same as me. He's full on hemochromatosis. So, you know, I'm in my, at the time I'm in my thirties getting diagnosed, maybe in the late thirties, uh, you know, ShamWow as effectively known in F3, but at that time was, was probably in his fifties, sixties. Uh, so because they both had it. Then my whole family went and it's like, you know, it's like, you know, getting COVID testing these days, everybody go get it. So the whole family go gets tested and I've got two older brothers and an older sister. Uh, and my oldest brother is just a carrier. So he got the gene from my father, but got the, the not, uh, deformed gene, I guess, from my mother, yeah, the, re the recessive one, I guess, or the, one. yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if it's recessive or dominant. I would imagant Dominant's yeah. not mutated. So she got, he, he got the good one from your mom. Yeah, he got, that's what we always say. One. You got the good gene from mom and obviously <laughs> dad can't give us good genes. Uh, and then, and then the, uh, you know, my brother, Mike, who's 13 months older than me, was also diag He was diagnosed with it along with my sister. So you mentioned like for females, you know, it's very often undiagnosed, especially until they hit menopause because they regulate their iron levels on a monthly basis with their menstrual cycles. Uh, but you know, like for my brother and for myself, uh, it's just a gradual, a gradual increase of, you know, iron saturation and then ferritin levels, uh, that all of a sudden they finally went and looked and, uh, that's kind of the next test is, Oh, let's look at like an iron panel and let's figure out what his iron panel looks like. Your ferritin should be, you know, it depends. I've had different doctors, but probably, you know, between 100 or less is kind of what we've been told. My doctor in the Carolina has always tried to keep it 50 or less. Uh, mine was 1100 uh, at wow. the first test. So clearly, you know, 10 times where it should be. Uh, my, bro my brother, Mike, uh, his was like close to 1800. I mean, his was way up there. And then my father, uh, having had, you know, having had it most of his life, was also upwards in the, the ferritin levels of, of, you know, close to 1800 to 2000. Um, and you know, like for him, you know, they would have probably just looked at it and said, you know, at some point in time, if he started having liver issues, then they would have just chalked it up to, you know, whatever drinking, whatever lifestyle choices he made, they would have probably never looked that deep into realizing it was genetic. Cause you know, we've had family members, in the family tree higher up that have died from liver issues and have died from heart issues. And now you're like, wow, it'd be great to know because uh, they could have made some diet choices and some treatment choices that could have extended their life. You know, I know we don't always live forever, but if you could extend the quality of the life, then uh, it'd be kind of nice to know that information. So, um, and then, you know, of course, knowing that I've got two mutated genes in this place, uh, in this situation, uh, we got my wife tested, just out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And it turns out she's a carrier. So this kind of explains a little bit of somewhat the commonality is if you're a carrier and you have one mutated gene, then, you know, you really don't have anything to be concerned about. 
But in our situation, we have two 2.0s. So now it's the same situation as Shamwell, my mother, to me, you know, so we did get the kids tested. Um, and uh, my son uh, was tested uh, as not having the mutated genes. He's got just the, the one from me. And my daughter actually has hemochromatosis. So um, lucky her. She seemed to get my eyesight, my allergies, and, and, and apparently the, the gene for hemochromatosis. So it's something that, you know, when you yourself figure it out, it's great to look upwards. And we even then encouraged my in-laws to go get tested because one of them had it. And so, you know, just out of curiosity and, and I think they're in denial who had it and who didn't. So, <laughs> uh, but not a judge of, if you have it, you have it, you're born with it. It's not like you, you know, you did something wrong. It's just, uh, it's just your genetic makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that you brought up a lot of good points there as far as kind of the importance of once you kind of discover your own health issues, because of the genetic aspect of this particular thing, um, going upstream to your own parents, uh, going, you know, parallel with your wife, uh, because you, you alluded to a few things. One thing is, so if we all have two genes, one from each parent, you obviously have both of them mutated. That means by default, you're going to give one mutated gene to your child or children. And then depending on what your wife has, whether she's got two. If she had two, both your kids are doomed uh, as far as having the disease, um, uh, the mutation. But if somebody just has one, you can bring a be a carrier. So you yourself might not have the issues, but you are then uh, given the opportunity to pass that on to a child. And if you're with a spouse that has one or both of those genes as well, then you're kind of increasing that opportunity for the, the your, your children to have it. So um, yeah, I mean, the more we understand about our own health, the more we can be proactive with it. And, and you alluded to, you know, relatives that had maybe passed away with these other diseases in the past that could have easily, based on your genetics and hereditary things, uh, could have been carriers of this that had they known and put in some of the principles we'll talk about, could have ward off some of these things. You mentioned being fatigue. Uh, I, I'm assuming fatigue. You, you mentioned sitting in church and not being able yeah, to concentrate. Think, you know, that, that, that incident, I think it was probably more of a bug of some sort. Um, okay. You know, I, I think it was, I mean, high, I had super high fevers, you know, I mean, just really, I mean, literally think I passed out in church. I mean, he's in church from time to time, but this was, this was clearly not recognizing. I knew that I was not feeling well going into it. Um, so I think the, the, the illness itself that caused the next test was just a, maybe it was a godsend uh, to get this yeah. going. Um, but, you know, from a, a symptom standpoint, there are a lot of symptoms, you know, tired, weak, uh, weight loss, joint pain. I mean, that's another area that some of this stuff, almost like an arthritis type feel, uh, abdominal pain, you know, your skin color changing almost, you think back to, you know, like a, your Billy Rubens off, whatever it might be, uh, you get more bronze and gray if, if, if it gets too high. You know, I, I can't necessarily say I had a lot of those symptoms. I mean, again, to me, it was just one doctor in St. Louis saying, hey, you may want to check this next time, just dismissed it. And then another doctor, again, getting ready to dismiss it and having a having an M who was not willing to let it be dismissed. And, and you know, and she remembered, I didn't even remember the St. Louis doctor's comment. She remembered it. Uh, so clearly I had told her after my physical and then it, you know, obviously she cares enough about me that, uh, that, that she remembered that. Um, but yeah, you know, once, once you're diagnosed, then, uh, the, 
the whole goal is to balance out iron levels with with you know clean blood or you know less iron in your blood and and it's actually a fairly simple treatment uh, but it's exhausting because the minute they find out about it it's it's almost immediate let's start phlebotomies let's start getting blood donations done uh and and my doctors my hematologist's uh, course of action was you're going to go every day until you cry wolf and you know for those of us that have donated a pint of blood you know it was great hearing the 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 need to bleed drive stuff that's being talked about and the warnings are you're going to be tired the next day and you got to eat right you got to do a lot of things right have that done. And I think I went like seven or eight days in a row of getting a pint of blood because that obviously is, is, is you eliminate, you pull your blood out, your body makes new blood. And that new blood is, is iron free until it's, it's introduced to iron coming in from the outside. So the idea is to get that ferritin down and they kept testing it. They keep texting, texting your oxygen levels to make sure that you're not depleting yourself. Um, my brother, Mike, who I mentioned 13 months older than I am, was living up in Copper Mountain. Colorado when he was diagnosed. Uh, and so giving blood that much at high altitude kicked his butt. So, I mean, he ended up going three or four days, had to tap out for a couple of days to let his body recover and then right back in. And they keep pulling blood until they do a ferritin test to get you back within a reasonable range. So it's literally like a, a shock to the system to get you where you need to be. And then once you're there, it's all about maintenance and, and it's all about making the right choices to, to try and keep your iron levels at that level. So, um, you know, it's great. Uh, you know, doctors, your, your hematologist can do the blood draws. Um, Red Cross, and I love their mission. I love what they do, but they do not accept blood from people that have been diagnosed as, as a blood disease, uh, partly because there's testing that needs to be done and it's expensive to do some of the testing. Your local blood community centers, uh, they're the ones that they will take the blood that maybe has some uh, you know, other testing that's required. So like, I've never been, since I've been diagnosed, I've never been allowed to go to, I guess if I lied on the Red Cross entry, uh, I could, but, but they, uh, you know, there's a one blood, the blood center of the Carolinas uh, in Charlotte that I would go to. Um, and it all comes down to just continually monitoring those ferritin levels to make sure, and the iron saturation to make sure that, you know, it's in, within a range. Um, and so I go to my hematologist quarterly to get an iron panel drawn. And, and I can tell you this, it'll go up. Like you, you could make it go up. I mean, I, I, you know, when I moved to Florida and trying to find a hematologist, uh, kind of took my time. You almost kind of take it for granted and you go in and, and it's creeping back up and you're like, Oh, I guess, I guess I, this isn't, it didn't go away. Um, so then again, you just kind of go back and, and, and get consistent. So today, I mean, I go to the hematologist quarterly for just a blood draw and, and he laughs uh, because he's like, I like you as a patient because most of his patients are cancer patients. Um, so he's like, you know, you're, you're all about good health. Whereas the rest of them, we're just trying to extend health uh, or extend life. And, and so, um, you know, many of the times I'll get the panel and he'll just call me with my numbers. If, if they are increasing or something's out of whack, they'll just increase the frequency of my phlebotomies. So right now, every six weeks, I head down the street to the one blood community center and, you know, drain a pint and, and, you know, 
it does. Uh, usually the next day, uh, I may fart sack, which I guess that's more of a smart sack uh, because I do feel pretty worn down or get lightheadedness when you stand up. But you know, it's it's kind of a, a you know course of action for me daily. It's not something that uh, it's not something that I don't fear giving blood anymore. Uh, it, it's it's you know it's just kind of an everyday thing for me. Um, but you know, once your levels are where they need to be, you can then just kind of continue on. Uh, diet plays a very large role in uh, your iron levels. So you know, there are certain things I have to avoid uh, or limit. I don't say avoid, I limit. Uh, red meat is the easiest to, to really make your iron levels uh, soar. Uh, leafy greens, you know, spinaches, that kind of a stuff. Uh, I did learn and, and, you know, Bones, you might be able to validate this or maybe it's just a doctor that said it, but a lot of stuff that's fortified with iron really won't impact the iron scores as much because it's not a natural iron and it's not necessarily as absorbing like as a steak would and, or a bison. A bison is almost a no-no because the iron levels in bison is a lot higher than anything else. Um, but they said like the, the, the iron fortified cereals and breads and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they said that, you know, no more concern than, than something that's not fortified. Yeah, no, you're correct. And that's one of the reasons that we preach a lot of times whole foods and the reality that when people try to like buy these, let's just say faker foods or processed foods that are then on the back end fortified, that you're really not getting all those nutrients like you think they are, or when you're buying that cheap one a day vitamin off the, you know, the, the big box store shelf, you're probably not absorbing most of the stuff that you, that, that, that you get. And I've worked with, um, handful of patients that are anemic, right? And so they, they, they need to raise their iron levels. And it's difficult to do just with a supplement. It's difficult to do with, you know, even the fortified foods or, or whatever. So to that point, yeah, um, really that whole food um, uh, solution like bison or some of the green leafies, um, you know, some of those other foods that are just rich in iron naturally seem yeah. to make a bigger impact on your, on your iron levels versus some of these vitamins or even fortified stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I can see it, you know, if I neglect to get my phlebotomies done as I'm supposed to, then, you know, my scores will go up and then the doctor will have to ask the honest question of when's the last time you gave them, you gave blood. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I mean, it got to the point where, the ferritin score was, was okay, but the saturation was starting to go up, which was kind of a trigger to say that, you know, it's, it's starting to increase, but it just hasn't hit the ferritin numbers just yet. So, you know, we just switched to six every six weeks. And, you know, frankly, I don't mind going every six weeks, partly because I know the blood's being used for good. Uh, and then, you know, the other piece of it is if your iron is slightly higher, um, the healing quality of that blood is greater. And so, you know, the, the idea being, I guess, uh, oxygen attaches easier to the higher iron blood. Again, you don't want to overloaded blood, but if it's slightly higher, there's some, some benefits to it. So I'm told, so, you know, I mean, I'm just, I've become a regular and it's a therapeutic phlebotomy. So I can't just show up. And, and now that I've been marked as, as therapeutic, 
I have to go in that sequence. I mean, if I kept it a secret and just went every six weeks or whatever they allow, I don't think they allow it that frequently, but however frequently, but I have to go with the doctor's note because the doctor wants to monitor, you know, the, the blood, white blood count. He wants to monitor oxygen levels in the blood just to make sure that I'm not going too often. Mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned it. How often are you going now six on a consistent basis? Six yeah. weeks. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and that, yeah, uh, that, that's a pretty good turnaround. What red blood cells, for instance, live in the body about 120 days before they kind of replicate and, and, and renew. So, you know, that's probably a good time frame uh, as far as kind of allowing that ferritin levels to, to raise back up. Um, so it sounded like you didn't have a whole lot of symptoms specifically related to, um, you know, the, some of the, the classic ones, but you did mention them uh, as far as that goes. So I just wanted to kind of highlight a few things so that PACs are listening. They may go, eh, that, that might be me. You mentioned joint pain um, and that, that usually and can be one of the, the first telltale signs. I mean, obviously there's other reasons for joint pain, but certainly if you're getting a lot of joint pain and, and, and you feel like you shouldn't be, that's one. And then the other one, a lot of times is fatigue and what they call like memory fog. So just the inability to concentrate, just tired all the time um, are, are, are big ones that I have. I typically see if someone's coming in and trying to look for an overall wellness approach uh, that, that, that maybe they are, are, are experiencing. Um, you mentioned liver enzymes going up and, and the reason liver enzymes go up as a result of uh, this genetic condition is because it can too much iron in it and too much storage of it can start scarring the liver. And you may have heard the term cirrhosis. Um, and, and then that can lead to cancers and some other issues. And that, that's really why untreated this thing can kind of spin out of control and create a, a more permanent issue for somebody is, is when they start getting the scarring of the liver. The other major ones are heart problems. Um, you can't sometimes circulate the blood um, well enough. Um, if you have too much iron and that could lead to things like congestive heart failure or arrhythmias uh, with the heart, and then, um, it can scar or, or injure the pancreas, which then would impact insulin, re uh, uh, release, which then can create high blood sugars, which then we have the diabetes. So those are kind of the major three things, but other things could be, um, even, uh, erectile dysfunction. Uh, uh, reproductive issues. And then you mentioned something like skin color, um, kind of that uh, the bronze or gray color of the skin as a result of that. So there's a kind of some of the more permanent complications that can happen if untreated and why it's important to kind of screen these things and, and look after it. Uh, you mentioned liver enzymes being um, high in your blood test and liver enzymes are pretty standard on a regular CBC, uh, you know, blood draw. When I work with clients, a lot of times we'll kind of go above and beyond that. For instance, most of my clients at, from a screening standpoint, we look at ferritin levels and we look at um, some of the iron saturation because we know that in many cases it could be anemia. That's a, a, that's an issue for somebody, but on the flip side, it could be this high iron storage levels. Now, um, as far as PACS, getting tested, that's what's kind of what you're going to want to ask your doctor to get tested. And that's more of a common uh, lab that many doctors will run as to request a ferritin or iron saturation levels. Uh, when you go in for your next physical, you know, instead of just getting 
um, your liver enzymes and your white blood cell count and your red blood cell count. Um, get some of those others. And ferritin's important because ferritin is the storage um, protein that makes iron get stored in the liver. And so if you're not looking at ferritin and you're just looking at iron, for instance, you may still miss this because you're not going to know what your body's actually storing. So make sure that you get the ferritin level looked at as well. And if both the iron saturation and the ferritin levels are like super high, like beings were, that's when kind of digging into those genetic testing really makes sense uh, to, to look at because that's going to give you obviously the ultimate information that you want. Um, but sometimes doctors aren't willing or, or wanting to just rush into genetic testing just because you walk in the door and you don't have a family history to, or, or anything like that. But that's typically kind of how I see people kind of go down this pathway is they kind of first get that iron saturation and ferritin levels, which most doctors will put on a blood panel if you ask them to. And then based on that information, you can, um, you can kind of take that next step, which is that genetic testing as well. Unless you already know a family member has it, then um, that, that would maybe be the, the best uh, plan of attack as far as kind of getting tested and, and, and making sure that you're going in the right direction. Now, there are other reasons for high ferritin. I mean, it's an acute reactant um, for things like inflammation or autoimmune diseases. So just because you have a high ferritin level doesn't mean you're going to have the disease or, or the genetic, uh, predisposition. So, uh, again, it, it, it does require testing. I always tell clients I'd rather test than guess. So get the testing done and, 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 and know for sure so that you can really work on that. Um, so currently, um, obviously you're going every six weeks, uh, you're watching the diet, uh, overall, I mean, how, how's, how's your King doing? I mean, how, how do you feel, uh, what are you accomplishing uh, as a result of even, you know, having to deal with this? Yeah, I mean, I tell you, like, I, like we were talking before the podcast, I mean, fitness wise, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously F3 uh, for me is, has been a blessing in the sense of getting guys around me to hold me accountable and push, push me into places that I never would have imagined. Um, you know, I mean, we're training about 15 of us here in the Sun Coast training for an Ironman 70.3 in September with, a, with another couple of uh, triathlons prior to that. Um, never would have imagined that ever uh, and still often wonder why I signed up for that. But uh, <laughs> but it's been great. You know, I mean, the, the cycling and the swimming are, are newer to me. Uh, cycling is a heck of a lot easier to pick up than the swimming. So uh, and so but it's been it's been great there from a King perspective. Um, you know, one, one thing I think is worth mentioning is is alcohol consumption is something that really has to be uh, pretty much eliminated uh, if this is a diagnosis. So don't let that be a reason not to get tested because you don't want to give up your, your beer or you know your wine or whatever it might be. But as we've mentioned the word liver over and over again in this conversation, uh, the liver is you know more susceptible to the scarring and then introducing alcohol. Uh, we know that that can do a doozy on the liver. Uh, I'll say it a lot less scientific, but uh, but you do want to make sure that uh, if this is a diagnosis. Now I will say. 
in my family, you know, one of my siblings did not give that up and, and has continued and he's gotten his, all of his ferret and everything is in line and saturation, but you know, he's willing to take that risk because uh, he likes the libation. So that's fine. You know, but, but I know, you know, for me, I had quit drinking long before even finding out I had this. So that wasn't a big sacrifice. Uh, you know, the red meat, uh, you know, come on, I can go to Capitol Grill or I'll go to, you know, uh, a steakhouse and, and I'll have a steak. You know, it's all about moderation uh, and it's also about monitoring. And and so, you know, you, you, to eliminate it is great uh, to do that. But, you know, if I have a choice of a good chicken and a good steak, then I will often go towards the chicken. Uh, but, you know, man, you can't pass up a good steak or a good, a good burger every now and again. Um, so, again, it's not you don't it's not a you know, you're, you're not going to die tomorrow if you had a good burger. Uh, but you, you probably are going to you're going to see a, a bit of an increase in, in your 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 intake. Uh, but yeah, I mean, fitness wise, I laughed because tired and joint pain, isn't that two of the core principles for F3? Um, yeah, my, my brother, my buddy, yeah, my buddy pitcher here said, when don't we hurt? Like we're always hurting, but, but you know, the difference and you got to listen to your body. And if you did intentionally take time off to recover and you didn't recover, then I would look into it a little bit more. Um, you know, and the, the, the tired, you know, a sleepy tired from a, a rundown feeling, you know, and then that's, uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, really fitness wise, I, you know, I'm thrilled where we're at, you know, looking forward to continuing this journey for the Ironman and, uh, you know, queen wise, still doing the intermittent fasting, still have maintained the weight where I wanted to get to, um, you know, now when you get to that point, you start to, start to modify when you see one or two pounds. Whereas before it was the yo-yo diet, like Dredd always likes to talk about, you know, now you go up one or two, <laughs> two pounds and you're like, why, what's going on? But uh, yeah, so queen wise, you know, it, it's been, it's been great. And then just keeping the monitor on the, on the blood levels. All right, man. Well, that's awesome. I love that you have these big uh, carrots in front of you as far as accelerating your uh, queen or excuse me, your king, because without those, and we've talked about that on the show before, as far as having something to shoot for, because that keeps us kind of motivated and moving. But, you know, really what you're just explaining is that you have not allowed this thing to deter you in all the things that you want to do, live life the way you want to live it. And that, and that's, that's important to know, because I think sometimes we allow uh, diagnoses and genetics and hereditary to define what our limitations are and, and you're just saying, no, it's, it's not the case and I'm willing to, to excel. So I appreciate. We, we, uh, we even hesitate to get the kids genetic testing done. The doctors early on told us don't even bother. You know, I mean, when they're real that little, you don't want to alter their diet too greatly because some of the nutrients that they're getting that you may have eliminated, you know, they, they may not get for other growth purposes. And, and as I mentioned, it's not an overnight bump. So, you know, they, they suggested, you know, kind of puberty and just beyond to get their testing done. And, and, you know, my son celebrates the fact because he's a red meat eater. I mean, he was so happy when those results came back because uh, he didn't want to not eat, uh, you know, he wants to order my steak while I get the chicken. Um, so that's that, you know, that, that's a, a factor and just don't rush to the judgment with the 2.0s. Uh, but it is definitely something to look forward to and now or look at. And then now my daughter later in life, you know, and she's got many, many years to go before she needs to really worry about it. But it's something she'll have to be mindful of. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, your daughter's situation and, and, and women in general, um, they're less likely to develop a lot of these major symptoms initially because of 
you know, the menstruation cycles and the, the, the fact that they're losing blood on a regular basis already. So that kind of keeps it in check. And, and you brought up a good point about, you know, over or, or knowing too much and, and trying to alter too much too early, because I agree with you. Um, and that's that, and not that you can't test genetically, because uh, I think information is, is powerful, but then, you know, you can always kind of continue to screen ferritin levels and iron saturation. And, and as long as they're staying in check, um, there's really not a whole lot you need to do from a dietary standpoint. Um, certainly when we're talking about your 2.0s or, or, or whatever. So again, uh, I'm a big fan of testing. I'm a big fan of knowing that information and, 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 yeah. and kind of making informed decisions on, on a consistent basis. Agreed. Well, man, we're coming up on our time and, and I really appreciate uh, all that you've shared with us today. Um, and, and I know you're a previous guest and you had a chance to kind of share some information in the past, but uh, I want to kind of ask you a couple last questions and uh, you know, can reshare some of the things you may have said previously, or, or they may have changed, or, or you may want to expound on something else. But uh, my first one is this, what are three tips, or excuse me, three tips that you would give someone wanting to embark on their own hunt for wellness? Um, you know, I, I would say one is, is just, you know, monitoring, you know, again, testing is great, but I think we, we know our bodies, we know where our bodies should be at at any given time. So I think, I think, you know, just monitoring that and then adding the testing if necessary, um, you know, listening to your body, but then also seeing some results. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of data. Uh, you know, I'm wearing, wearing the Garmin watch, watch the heart rate, you know if the heart rate's too high. Uh, so, you know, use that kind of information and then, you know, get the physicals. I mean, don't, you know, I mean, especially all the healthcare, medical expenses, all that, most insurances, your physical's free for a reason. They want to make sure that they're heading off anything that might come down the road. So get your physical, uh, see a doctor and make sure that, that, you know, your, your scores are where they should be. If it weren't for that, you know, 20 years later, uh, you know, I, I don't know where my ferritin and iron would, could be, and I don't know what I could have uh, had happen. Uh, ShamWow has had some medical issues. Could some of that be directed back to the fact that he didn't get diagnosed and handle this until later in life? So, uh, you know, listen to your body, uh, you know, monitor and measure and get those annual physicals, you know, listen, and then remember what previous doctors said in case you move around a whole lot or you go to different doctors because you change doctors. Uh, you know, or, or just tell your wife because she'll remember for you. Hey, that's why we have them, man. They, yeah. they, they, they keep us straight, especially men. And, and I work uh, with a lot of men specifically around wellness. And um, usually it's the, that wife of theirs uh, kind of encouraging them more than anybody to, to stay on top of their health. So awesome, awesome tips, brother. I appreciate that. So I do have one final question for you. But before I ask it, uh, I just, again, want to take a few seconds here and just acknowledge you and say thank you once again for a coming on the show and, and sharing your personal experience, because I know that this is going to have an impact on many, many people and, and their own families, but uh, also just what you do for the nation and F3 and, and, and the time and sacrifice you put into that and to really enhance this organization that we all love and, and appreciate. Um, so if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, whether it was uh, for, for, for the purposes of discussing this um, condition or just anything F3 general uh, related about expansion or whatever, what are some best ways to do that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, I am on the nation Slack channel, obviously, um, you know, Bing, uh, and you'll see, I've got my title of head of growth on there. Cause I think there's a couple of bings or bing bongs and whatever they might be or bangs or whatever. Um, so you find me there, you know, bing at F3 nation.com is a great way to email me. Uh, and then if it's an expansion specific question, if you want the whole team to respond, expansion at f3nation.com is the best way to reach that. But, uh, but yeah, nation slack or being at f3nation.com is, is a great way to reach me. Perfect. And my final question is this, what is your definition of wellness? Now I got time to prepare for this question <laughs> hard on the first time around it, but I, th- I think it's, you know, it's a journey of, of, uh, you know, right decisions, right monitoring, uh, looking at, you know, kind of uh, you know, being a journey and a hunt for wellness is kind of marking a starting point and then monitoring where you've gone since then, whether it be just a pace or ability to do so many things, uh, but kind of where is your starting point? Because we all have it. And then monitoring that journey all the way through, I think are, are two things that, that I really feel like are, are important when that hunt for wellness but wellness is more than just fitness. It's, it's the piece, it's the, the state of mind. Uh, it's your body and how it reacts. Uh, it's, it's all that added, but to me, there's a big faith component to the wellness, uh, and having, you know, a rooted beliefs, uh, from your, your creator. And then also, you know, a lot of it to me is the relationships, uh, you know, wellness involves relationships, the friendships that I've got through F3 and the relationships with the M and the 2.0s and the family as a whole, uh, all that added together is just, you know, to me, critical on the, on the whole hunt for wellness. Perfect, man. Appreciate it. But Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFWpodcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.